right. Welcome back to the Mission of Speed podcast. Today, I get to interview a good friend of mine named Brennan Donahue, who owns Active STL, formerly known as Donahue Chiropractic. Brennan's been a good friend over the last several years. Um, I've had a personal experience working with him as my chiropractor, but also as his running coach too. And so we've kind of had a twofold relationship there. And now he's immersed himself in our community in terms of running for the Spielock Racing Team, but also getting to know a lot of different groups. I know Brennan's very involved with the triathlon scene here in St. Louis and a lot of different groups. And whenever we go to different races, I always find Brennan knowing many more people that I don't know. So he's a very connected, well-oriented man. But what I think I admire most about sharing his story is just how motivated he is from the family perspective. He's got two beautiful daughters. He's got a lovely wife named Caitlin, and they they do everything together. They've had a lot of positive energy, and everybody in our circle knows and respects them. So I'm excited to share Brennan's story on how he ties his family in with his personal and professional goals. He's been very successful in business, just celebrated his fifth year, and is transitioning to a new name, as I said, and we're excited to dive into this episode. I hope you enjoy. And as always, if you want to listen to more of our podcast, please hit subscribe. Brennan Donahue of Active STL. I'm finally uh, learning the name of your business or obviously new business, similar, same business, but new name. Excited to, to bring you on the show today. How you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. And Looking forward to having the conversation. You've been on a lot of podcasts and interviews in the past, so I'm excited that you're you're willing to get on mine. Absolutely. Honored to be here. Yeah. What was kind of your background just in getting into podcasting? Was it more kind of just friends started reaching out, other professionals and such? Yeah, I think so. I, it kind of started with other professionals on how do you go from being in school to starting a business? And then it also has dawned on, you know, being in business and kind of reaching the audience that you want to work with, you know, instead of just letting the general public find you, how do you get out and go meet the person that you want to be the one working with? It's, um, I'm sure it's fun to kind of revisit your story too, right? Just to kind of talk about yourself and, you know, not in a gloating way, but more of like, wow, I actually have done these things or I do have some expertise. <laughs> I think it's good. It's good to reflect. And, but it's also, I, I just love having the conversations because if somebody picks up one little thing, it makes this whole conversation kind of worth it. That makes sense. Well, you're so humble. So I always get excited about an opportunity where I can like drill you with questions that you can't run away from or have other people in the room to, to distract yourself from. So I'm excited to to have this piece here, but we've, uh, we've known each other now for several years. I, we were talking about that last Sunday, but I feel like our worlds have kind of connected in a lot of different ways in terms of um, just getting started with knowing your dad for a while when I was working at Big River. Um, and then obviously being introduced to you probably maybe six years ago or so, five, six yeah. years ago. Yep. And now being able to obviously build out um, that, that professional relationship to a friendship, which has been a lot of fun. So it's cool to see you. I'm proud of you in terms of your business being as successful as it is, but also cool. I feel like we're, you know, we're a few years apart from each other, but we've kind of come up together a little bit in this. I think so. I think uh, our business timeline resembles each other a little bit, you know, and it was fun to start with you as an athlete where you coached me first. And then the relationship just kind of grew from there, which has been fun. Yeah. And so Brennan is a runner. He's a triathlete, I think would probably be the technical term, but he's a former soccer player. Yep. Um, maybe not even say former because we might not leave the the door closed in case, you know, there's a professional career or something in your future. Hung up the soccer <laughs> shoes, except for playing with the daughter. That's yeah. about it, you and, know? You know, and he, he found me just a few years ago in terms of the coaching side of things to kind of help him with, get his run up. Um, you know, obviously was an experienced triathlete and then kind of focused more on the running side of things. And then what's been fun is you've really kind of immersed yourself into our group um, over the last several years in terms of 
the coaching business and then now the racing team. Um, and it's cool to see that success. It's fun to watch you do something that's so personal for yourself that has nothing to do with your business or nothing to do kind of outside commitments. Um, and I know that well, I'm excited to dive into that today because I know that there's a lot that goes into that and what makes it a challenge, um, you know, with different things. But, uh, you know, so you're you're now here. This is, did you just celebrate five years? Five years. Congratulations, Thank five you. years in business. And, yeah. you know, that's, Jill Fickling always talks about that. When I celebrated my fifth year, she just like really made it, she's a celebrator. Yeah. And she just made it a point, like you have to celebrate five years um, because that's huge. It's a milestone. Have you reflected on that? We have, you know, and I think we did a little reflection even before the five year came up. And that's why we decided to kind of do a little rebrand of our business name and kind of change the name to match the the audience that we love to work with. So, and when you started off this business, it was really, were you just kind of looking general public? Like, let's just get my feet, you know, out there and start helping people. Yeah. I, you know, I have to give, uh, CrossFit ready to live a little shout out. Cause that's where I got to start my business out of, which was uh, CrossFit, uh, gym here in St. Louis. Um, and Kevin Vaughn was great. He let me, you know, rent some space. I started getting my business, my feet under me a little bit. And then it moved to the space. But yeah, it, it started as I knew I wanted to work with athletes, but I didn't know what demographic specifically. Yeah, it's it's because it's been interesting just even to see your evolution, because I know that you're not just working with runners, but you're working with Correct. all levels, all abilities. But then you've also been very successful with the common day person, which I think is something that, you know, at least we try this just in terms of like on the running side of things, it's different, but it's almost being able to be as a coach versatile and being able to help somebody succeed if they're run walking all the way to somebody who's, you know, the ability of somebody like Krista Staley, who always listens to my podcast. So we got to shout her out. Uh, thank you, Krista. But, you know, you see the, you know, you're trying to find those ways to be able to connect with the broad audience. And do you think a lot of just working with kind of the, you know, general public and things like that helped you be able to kind of keep those skills and then obviously have this opportunity to now work with a little bit more of the elite side? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, uh, in reality, I'm a little bit of an introvert. And so I, I take time to, to watch videos and learn a lot about many broad topics. Um, being in business has forced me to uh, kind of become the extrovert a little bit, you know, and get out and meet more people and talk to more people. But being the introverted side, understanding concepts has always been uh, an easy thing for me. I would say I was never like the bookworm. I was, let's go out and look at motion, study motion, understand how things fall into place then how can we apply that to this individual that is in front of me on whatever they are trying to uh, achieve? I love that. So, and so, so your background being obviously in soccer, you played in college at McKendree University, um, you know, and that was something that, you know, you were passionate for several years and having that athletic background, I believe you played volleyball and other sports um, growing up, but then, you know, you get to college and you have to kind of figure out like, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that transition of realizing that maybe sports chiropractic was the kind of the place you wanted to go with? Yeah. I, you know, I started as an athletic trainer. Um, and I think that was a great place, but by the time I graduated, I knew I did not want to be an athletic trainer for long. You know, it was long hours traveling. I loved being around the athletes. Um, but I just knew that there was something bigger and better for me. I then dove into a pool head first and hit my head in the bottom of the pool. Oh gosh. Um, it was a friend's house that I thought had a deep end. Well, come to find out it did not have a deep end. Oh God. And, um, so that then led me to the chiropractor for the first time, kind of got me fixed up really quick. And that started changing my direction a little bit. I was looking at PT school. I then decided that I, I would make a last second pivot and go to Logan here in St. Louis and 
go down the route of chiropractic, knowing that I wanted to be on the sports or athletic side of that coin. Do you remember your first experience just like going into the chiropractor and like what your maybe expectations were or going in? <laughs> yeah, I it, because of the injury, one, I was scared. Two, I was hurt, you know, and it, I, I couldn't even shower because the water hitting my skin was so intense. Like I just God. rang my bell completely. Um, and I had no idea what to expect, you know, and then it, after the first visit or two, I was like, okay, I can get comfortable with this now. You know, I, I know I'm walking out better than I walked in. And, uh, then I started doing some research on what all chiropractic is and does and what it, you know, the things that we should stay away from also. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I love what about your story and I've just even like read your website and, you know, I've heard, you know, just even other injuries, you know, were kind of led to your inspiration and wanting to help people. But I think it's so cool because I think a lot of times people stumble into their jobs and maybe they find success and they enjoy it, but maybe there's not as much of a personal tie to it. They're not as passionate. And I mean, do you think about that a lot where you like, you're actually kind of being able to almost like solve a problem that you had and now you get to do it for other people? I do. And I think that the problem solving is what I enjoy the most. And that's why I can relate to so many people coming in with an injury. It's not just a, certain models of health are a quick turnaround, right? Lay down, do the treatment, out you go, right? I think if we take the time to slow down, digest the problem, maybe not reflect just where the pain is, but see why that pain was there, um, th that then helps me feel like I'm pursuing my, my vision a little bit more of how to help people a little bit further. You talk about the strength of being an introvert. I mean, a lot of times us extroverted folks, we go really fast, you know, so yeah. uh, the process can be a little speedy because we're looking for the result. And then, you know, maybe to your advantage is being able to kind of take that extra step, like you said, to really dissect, think, and just shows that we can pull from both sides and, and there's a value in those things. And I think it, it's funny because I, it's not funny, but when people are hurt, they don't want to hear that they need to take time off, right? And being on the, the more patient side of things at times, I have to remind people like a few days isn't the end of the world. Like, let's see how it comes out. And, but then you, you know, it's funny. I meet a lot of those extroverts that are like, no way I'm go, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. And it's, we gotta find a healthy balance of how to meet those people where they're at, you know? Yeah. You don't want to tell a runner that they can't run. Oh, and that's, <laughs> I was trying to avoid coming out and saying that, you know, <laughs> I'll say it for you. <laughs> you know, there's ways that we don't have to, but it's, I'd say, what do you, even just working with your clients, there's probably less than a dozen people I have had to tell truly take some time off. I would say that there's less than a dozen. That's, yeah, that's pretty good. That's you know, good. They, I think that, you know, and, and I'll say it on behalf of myself, not on behalf of you, but I think the biggest challenge for a lot of runners is that we become so consistent in our routine that it becomes our day. It's our daily life. Yep. You know, it's like drinking coffee. I've said that on podcasts before. And I think that's an issue for a lot of runners because when you tell them that they can't run, it's almost like telling them that they can't do something that's part of their identity. Yeah. And I think it's unfortunate that people get hurt. You know, I've had right. my injuries, but I think it's the best thing for runners, especially those who've gotten into it, maybe as they've gotten older and it's become their kind of new routine because it's so easy to kind of almost like obsess about it. And yeah. this becomes like my reality. I love it. And then you don't really realize that like running could be taken away from you at any, any point in your life. And what are you going to do when that, when that day comes? Like, you know, hopefully it doesn't, but do you have like a backup plan? Do you generally enjoy your life? Like you have to learn how to actually like to get up on a Friday morning when you can't run at six in the morning. Right. And I think that's, you know, I mean, so many people that are endurance athletes, they, um, it, it, 
I don't want to throw everybody in this bucket, so I'm going to say this as cautiously as possible without uh, upsetting people. But oftentimes they're trying to hide something else, right? Yeah. You know, whether yeah. that's uh, anxiety or depression or uh, eating disorders or alcoholism, right there, it, the endurance bucket kind of everybody often gets thrown in there, whether they're happy or not. And I don't think that's fair, but we have to remember that finding that healthy balance of still being able to wake up on that Friday morning, sit there and have a cup of coffee and find something else for a short period of time could be a good balance at times, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I don't even think it's, you know, controversial even to bring that up because I think it's important for people to recognize that because I think a lot of people run and then like their subconscious is, you know, going through these things, but they might not even realize like, oh, I really stress and have to run because of X, Y, Z. It's almost, you know, an opportunity for somebody to even reflect. And something that I love so much about the sport that I'm biased about is it just attracts great people. I mean, you were at us, you were out there with us on Sunday at our race and you've been around, uh, you know, our group for, for several years now, but it just brings some of the best people out. Sure and so is. when I've been injured, what I try to do is, you know, get on my bike or try to be active, a part of that community in some way. Um, I think a lot about Jill's husband, Dan, right now, you know, he, he can't run with us, but right. he thoroughly enjoys to, <laughs> to hang out with us. You know, and you think about these people who definitely are attracted to the group um, that can't run and they're finding that meaning and that purpose still, even if they can't go do it every day. Which I think that's a great point to bring up. And I know I've done it myself is whether I'm in a, a low and in training myself or, or I've gone through injuries where I've had to shut down for, for three to four weeks at a time, just because of, uh, my own personal injuries. That's when I then dive deep into the volunteer side of how can I still show up at packet pickup or on race day and give out waters on, I mean, how many races have you done that somebody handed you a bottle of water or a goo or something on the run? And then we're now able to go back and kind of repay that favor. Um, which I think is a huge, huge part of the running community that we all like get to take a part of. No, definitely paying it forward. And I think you have to like actively talk about these things or else you don't really even realize that there is somebody, you know, these self-service, it's, it's kind of like being in a, you know, bougie hotel when you're running these races sometimes. And you just kind of think, you know, give me my water or whatever the case is. And it's selfless people that are coming out and helping you. It's so, how would, how much would you say, like, you've kind of talked a little bit about this, but just your experience as an athlete, whether that was collegially high school or now as somebody who's active and consistently is that impacting the way that your care is? And then also like, is that impacting how you're evolving with your care? I, yes, I'm going to just, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, the thing is, I think one, as we try and do sport of any nature, we're for a long time, it was competing against others, right? In team sport. Once we get out of team sport, I then pursue competing against myself, you know, and it's not always on the clock. It's on, how consistent can I be? What, you know, can I hit a PR? How far can I go? How, how long can I ride this bike without me, you know, jumping off because I need to stretch my back? Um, those instances I then reflect on to say, okay, if we're able to push ourselves this hard in our, in one aspect of life, I then need to be able to turn that around and push myself that much harder through my professional career to make sure I'm providing the, the best service possible for other people continuing education, going to seminars, reading books, watching podcasts, et cetera. So I make sure to kind of, uh, I, I, I have a, a few different buckets that I like to fill on a regular basis, one being sport, one being professional, and then one being my, my family side. I love that. And I think a lot about that because it's like, and, and as a coach, we try, I really try to think about this a lot because it's like, you don't want to draw, especially with coaching. I'm not, you know, obviously saying this for your instance, but 
you don't want to necessarily draw too much of your own personal experiences and how you coach that specific athlete because it can be easy to become almost like biased, like, oh, this works really well for me. It's going to work well for this person. But there are those correlations. You know, if I'll use Chuck Beckham, who's the owner of Titanium Fitness, and I've always been very inspired by him because he's just very humble. And he's had a really successful career um, for several years in business, but strength training, he's, that's his, that's his trade, but he's never been afraid to keep evolving, even though this guy has, you know, more knowledge than most people when it comes to the specific exercise and what to do. But now that he's running, uh, we've got, we've yeah, convinced him to yeah. run, you know, uh, because of several people in our group who've kind of, you know, harassed him for a while and says, you need to run, you need to run, which is a great site to see if you want to see a bodybuilder run sub eight oh, miles. He looks great finishing yeah. that, that chain of rocks. I know he's got, the, he's got the heart for it, but you know, he's even said to me, you know, like, it's so great that I'm running now because now I can, you know, almost understand a little bit more of what exercises I need to be giving you and what exercises I need to be taking away from you. And I think that's so, that's so telling that like, we're always evolving, but really that personal experience of like being in the roots is, is kind of the way that, you know, in some ways you have to get there. I think so too. And that's, you know, that, that's part of my journey of, you know, I I was a runner and then now I try and I enjoy triathlon. I think part of that was learning to how to, ride the bike and train and then be able to ride the bike and then figure out how to run and mix in swimming, which I was terrible at, you know? And so that's, I I agree with that, that it's always kind of that pursuit of how can I consume more knowledge and make it applicable to not only me, but then others as well. Are there certain things as you've now worked with more runners per se, I'll use runners because, you know, we, we obviously have a lot of runners that listen to the podcast, but are there certain things that you might've thought in the past, like, oh, this is, you know, maybe not a big deal, whatever the case is. And now you're like, definitively, I need to make sure runners do this. <laughs> oh man, that's a great question. I, I, I don't use definity very, you know, very yeah. often. Um, I, I do think, and it is a great topic and you can probably talk about it too, is I think every once in a while mixing we, we all know strength training, right? So that's the, the elephant in the room. We need to do a little bit more strength training. But I think every once in a while, people don't know how to fit that into their 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 training plan. And so cutting uh, a mile off and there's maybe six, seven, 10 minutes worth of time that you could then devote to strength training once a week. You know, that's one of those topics that it's hard to find a way to mix it in, but it's one of the things that I think we need to continue to discuss on how people can get stronger that way. Yeah, that's hard because so many in myself included for years in the past, like it's almost like one year, you know, one, you know, goes in and goes out because you don't really want to hear it. Right. And especially if like you're not really being totally set back, you're like, okay, well, this is just, you know, something I might need to address down the road. But I, you know, use your wife, for example, like, you know, I don't really need to floss, you know, when I go to the dentist, you know, the hygienist takes care of me, but maybe I should start flossing at some point. That's my guilty conscience coming out for Kayla when I see her. Uh, But, you know, it comes, it just comes back to with the strength training, training side of things that like, and I know I struggled at it for years and then finally just addressing it. I feel like it becomes almost like you're preaching, like you have to do this. Like, everybody needs to jump on board and do this because it makes such a difference. And I think it's important for the professionals who, um, you know, are obviously telling people to do this, to have that background as well, because then they can really understand like, Hey, I get why you don't want to do it. And I understand that it does take up a little bit of time, but here are the benefits and here's why you're gonna be better for it. Long longevity, right? I mean, we, we all try and pursue what I know. I don't, I don't know many people that say, I'm going to run for two years. I'm going to go as hard as I can, as fast as I can, and then be done completely. That's not in a runner's mission statement, right? Like they want to keep pursuing this down the road. And so I think that that is one of those longevity topics that 
we all know we should do, and I'm guilty of this at times too, but we need to find a way to program it in just even for short periods of time throughout the year. And I think it's hard too, because you get a lot of people, especially from my demographic, is that you know they might come to me as, as empty nesters or they've had their kids and now they're kind of in a period where they can focus more on themselves again. And just the nature of reality of that is typically, you know, unless you're Sunny Ta, you're going to be probably maybe in your 40s and 50s when you're kind of going through that. And maybe you have now more energy from a motivational standpoint than ever yeah. um, to train, but your body isn't 100% where it was when you were 15, 20 years old. And so there's that conflicting my mind feels younger and healthier than ever and my body can still do great things let's not take anything away from that but it's going to have to almost work twice as hard on these other things to make sure that you can kind of keep the two up together right and i think with, without getting too technical here on on this conversation it's as we get older right we ligaments and tendons get dehydrated then we go to run then people end up with these tendonitises because the tendon doesn't sit right but if we strengthen the muscle that then helps lubricate the tendons down farther away where they attach to the bone, we then avoid some of the tendonitis as we go. So that's kind of the, that's why it happens later in life, right? The younger people get away with it without doing this. And then one day all of a sudden they're like, I don't understand why this hurts all of a sudden. And unfortunately it's that slow progression that, that builds over time. Yeah. You think about that, like when you're in high school and oh, like oh what you can God. get away with you could recover on oh my gosh. no sleep, right? Yeah, you, you can know? throw, you know, you throw anything at high school kids. Sometimes it's yeah. like, it's I just, I'm constantly amazed. I'm like, how did you do that yesterday? But then you think about yourself and you remember being sore, but you don't ever remember being like injury sore, right. you know, like, you know, right. you know, might've had some of those things pop up, but they, you recovered so much quicker or didn't have the intensity. Right. Well, I've had such a benefit, you know, from working with you and I can't appreciate you enough just for everything you've done for me. But I think one of the things that I've really you know, resonated with you because there were for several years I hadn't ever had your professional care. We've obviously referred people to yep. you and then, you know, know you as a as a person and as an athlete. But something that, you know, Brennan really helped me with kind of goes back to what you originally were talking about was I was coming in with an issue and it wasn't necessarily the symptom that we needed to address. It was a much bigger issue. And now that we've realized that it's my back, it's come to a point where, okay, like I know the right exercises to be doing, I know the right things, but it's a constant reminder. Like I never in a million years thought I had back issue, yeah. you know, and now we're realizing, wow, the back problem is the root of everything. It's shutting your legs down. It's, and it's such a humbling process to kind of go through. And then having somebody like Brennan who can kind of sit you down and say, okay, this is what you need to be doing. Here's the maintenance that, you know, can happen as you go when you're training harder, um, just that perspective. And I think Something I always try to tell my athletes is that when they go see yourself or they see another medical provider, whether it's a PT or chiropractor who's doing a little bit more hands-on than it would be if they're seeing their, their kind of their MD or their practitioner for their, their, you know, yearly visit. I just tell them, you know, you might not feel like you need to see this person a ton and they're, and the good ones like yourself aren't going to tell you to come every week or every day. They don't want you to come, but there's a great resource to having that person almost as like oversight. So that if, you know, I know for a few of my athletes, it's been really helpful because they'll tell me, hey, you know what? Something's coming on a little bit. I had an issue this weekend and it's not a big deal, but, you know, maybe if we didn't have this partnership and people to work with in terms of medical providers, maybe I wouldn't think too much of it. I'd just be like, oh, that's too bad that you're having that ice, whatever the case is. But then the opposite is they can come in and see you. They get in quick. And then all of a sudden you can assess like from your running perspective. Okay. You know what? I know their level of training. I know what this is. It's not a huge deal, but you know what, Mark, 
the weekend long runs not a priority this weekend. Let's get ahead of it. And that's such a big advantage from a coaching standpoint, because then you can, as long as the coach, in my opinion, trusts the person that they're working with, um, you can do things, you can do more for your athlete than you can just do for yourself if you're trying to kind of navigate those times. Yeah, I think so too. You know, and I, I tell a lot of athletes, I'm not the coach, you know, like I'm not going to dictate how much you are running or not running. I'm going to talk about, here's the pros, here's the cons. You guys go away where you're at in your training cycle on when we should push forward or when we shouldn't, you know? And so that's the fun part of the conversation is that I'm not like, okay, go run 12 miles and tell me how you feel. Like, it's like, I, I communicate with you on here's where this athlete's at. Let's see if what you think on if we should progress them or not, you know? And I think that's something that, you know, coaches, I'm sure chiropractors deal with this. I mean, anybody, nutritionists, you know, anybody that is in a position of power per se, or like is assigning specific programming for somebody in health and wellness. I think it's really easy to build up that ego. Like my plan is what's going to make this person successful. And so I've seen it before where certain coaches aren't um, really receptive to outside help yeah. because if I'm going to have you now look at my athlete, well, is that going to kind of crush the trust of me and my athlete or whatever the case is. And I think far too often, you know, that, that collaborative, you know, partnership isn't being um, utilized because of, you know, coaching insecurities or training insecurities. And I think that's something I'm always kind of preaching to people, especially that are kind of coming up in terms of coaching or, you know, in these health and wellness fields, I'm like, you've got to be partners. And I'm sure the same for you. It's like, you know, you know, everything from the medical standpoint of being able to help that athlete but there's probably some stuff from the running perspective that you don't know yet. And then you value when you talk to me yeah. in terms of like, I can understand what they're being diagnosed with, but I don't necessarily know if that's okay. If Brendan says this is not something to run on, then we're probably not going to run on it. You know, and, and if you're, and I've always kind of respected about you is like, I think this kind of comes back to your athlete perspective. Like if you were, you know, working with the Chicago Bulls and, you know, Jordan has a game tomorrow night, you're going to have to play him, right. you know? So it's like when you, you can kind of assess, not that you're trying to put somebody ever in a position to be injured, but you can assess what that level of importance is for that person in terms of performance, you know, present them what their risks are, present them what their, you know, outcome is if they don't follow these specific things, but then also appreciate the perspective of, you know what, this person's an athlete and they train really hard for this. So this is how maybe you would want to modify, right? Yep. And I think that stems all the way back to my athletic training days, right? I mean, the collegiate sports world is a great example where you have to talk to a team MD, team athletic trainer, the head coach, uh, the uh, strength and conditioning coach, you know, the list kind of goes on where there's these team meetings, team approach. And it's like, okay, what's the best for this individual? I love taking that in and doing this with my running coaches and the PTs here in St. Louis are great, right? I mean, you know, a bunch of them, your, your group has a number of them in there. Um, and so being able to hold these conversations behind the scenes for each individual patient is kind of a special little thing that I think is super important to be done. It's, you know, I think a lot about that because it's like there are so many options and you see professional sports like, and I'm sure you've heard this over the years, but I've heard from several people who've worked in the professional sports industry in terms of whether it's athletic training or they've been chiropractors or whatever the case is who've worked on a professional staff and they say, okay, well, you know, the team has this philosophy but you know, the best player on the team is not going to us for treatment. They're going to X person. And there is that kind of confusion, you know, even on the professional level. And so that's something I've always kind of thought about is that for me, the athlete has to trust the person they're going to. And then I have to have like that clever partnership. 
And so if I'm not, that's why I've always, you know, told you like, that's why I'm very open about like having a whole list of people for people, because as you see, some, some patients just aren't a match um, for you personally too. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to make sure that like, you know, you have, you know, uh, a line of care. It's just like coaching. Like if somebody's not succeeding with my coaching, I don't want them to be forced to have to now just run with me for the cycle. They're better off now going, working with somebody else that they can find their success. And I'm always amazed by the amount of resources that professional sports teams have and are spending money on that aren't necessarily seeing the, the payoff for it where you, so that's kind of the, we're obviously not a professional sports team in that sense where I guess you could consider us professional running uh, to some degree, some of the athletes on our team, but there's that approach like, okay, you know, maybe there is this more open-minded mindset that we have to have. I'm sure, you know, you have to have uniform and you don't want too much confusion, you know, of the cases, but there are a little bit, there's not one way to skin a cat. Correct. Yep. And I appreciate that. Well, you know, something that I think about a lot with the kind of care, you know, businesses that we're in is that we started as, you started as a practitioner, you started as somebody who had to go to schooling to the goal of being a doctor. Like my goal, you know, was to become a coach and to help people. And then there's this business that revolves around it. (laughs) So there's a twofold there where some people start businesses and their goal is to start the business and then they have to learn whatever that is that they're selling, you know, where we're kind of the opposite is that our product is something that we've worked really hard on and we're probably going to, you know, default to the product always before the business. And I think about that with coaching a lot. Like there's just certain circumstances where from a business standpoint, if like there was a if you had a business mentor, a Fortune 500 company, you know, who was watching what you were doing, they'd probably be like, you know, you had an opportunity to upsell there. You know, you had an opportunity to this. And then you have this like ethical um, dilemma that you're playing with in your head. Like this person doesn't pay for this type of communication, but is expressing a legitimate problem. You know, this is an t- opportunity to pick up the phone and call this person. Uh, you know, I don't know if you ever think about that a lot with like what you do where, you know, you have the business but then you also have an ethical obligation from your career, from, you know, licenses purposes, but then also just your moral conscience and how you have to deal with that in the office. I think I, I still have a kind of one line that sums it up, do the right thing every time. Right. I think I've kind of mentioned that to you over the years is when I say do the right thing every time, doing the right thing every time is for that individual in front of me at that given time. Um, the medical field has a bad rap for, uh, upcoding and overcharging and doing services that might not need to be necessary and things like that. I think there's no bigger testament than when you look somebody dead in the face that you know you can't help and you say, I am unfortunately not the best person for you, but let me get a list of people who might be able to help, right? And when you can do that, it's 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 almost, uh, I don't know what analogy I'm looking for, but some of those patients then I end up receiving the most referrals from it is. And that's because you have done the right thing for that person. You've looked them dead in the face and you've just unfortunately said, I'm, I know you're looking for answers. I'm not that guy. Let me put you in front of somebody that can, you know? So that goes all the way back to the ethical versus business in my space. It is ethical all day long. If I continue to do the correct thing, each individual time, the business will eventually grow. And that's kind of the model I've started from, from day one. It's a slower way to build a business, isn't it? I think you can probably agree with that, you know, is you could do a 
come and see me three times a week, every week for four months. Right. You know, and yeah. I would have a steaming business. I would be a miserable human being. I would, you know, because then I would just, I just wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night, my head on the pillow and things like that. So I know that would kind of answers your question vaguely, but I think there's that side of, yes, I provide a service that ends up building a business. I don't talk about the business side very often um, because I want it to be about um, each patient. I want to be kind of the hero of their own story. And whether it's from direct care or it's from those annoying banded exercises that they got to do every single morning before they go run, they're the hero of their story because they get to find an exercise or motion that decreases their pain and allows them to continue to do things they want to do in life. So, yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, that's where it kind of goes back to like, you're so similar to what a coach is because you really truly want the person to succeed you want them to be healthy. And it's not a hard choice to make on deciding on that over, you know, trying to get them in upsell any day of the week. Cause it's like seeing that person happy is better than you getting an extra X amount of money in your pocket. And I've always kind of said that about my business. Like, you know, I'm, I almost like want to, I love business and I think we're in the same in this sense. Like we yep. both love the, I like, you know, the podcast around business and things like that and the inspiration behind it. I almost want to go now, like invest in a different business that I'm not working in and then like play business, you know, like play CEO, go through all that different stuff. And then just always recognizing like what my business with PR training is where it's always going to be, you know, less important about scaling and more important about customer service, yeah. you know? And I think that's something that it's kind of a, it's kind of probably maybe you, you wrestle with this a little bit, but as we've both had more success, do you run into these questions of like, there's only so much that I can do. And then you have opportunities for your family that, you know, can really present themselves, you know, like, do I want my kids to be set for college? And this can be, the means for that by my business, but that's also going to mean that I have to expand or I have to, you know, do things differently. And we run into these kind of questions because it's, I understand why people want to do bigger and better. And so I'm trying to, for myself personally, you know, find that balance as well. Like, you know, what's, what's going to be right for this and then what's my flavor and how we're going to do things. And, you know, I respect I think so often, like, I, you know, you know, I, I finished up my degree last year and yeah. I spent a lot of time with a lot of kids and classes and I won't judge them because, you know, I wouldn't want to know what I was like at 20, 21 years old. Oh, you don't reflect back on those days? Air back, you know, just being an idiot, you know, whatever yeah. the case was. But I, I just sat in classes where, especially as a marketing degree, where kids would just rip up businesses like that website's horrible. This is, you know, crap, blah, blah, blah. And I just would always, you know, I've had a business for the last close to seven years. So during a lot of this time, like I'm sitting here, like you guys don't understand, like what you don't understand is Dr. Donahue is some days, like if, if you, somebody's out sick, you're answering the phone and you're doing care. Yeah. When am I going to be able to upload, you know, this to Facebook or when am I going to be able to fix the website? And it's not a reflection of you not caring professionally. It's about, I have to keep my business going. Like I have to keep the lights on. I have to keep my customers happy. Uh, do you ever feel like sometimes like you're doing an amazing job in terms of doing all the right things in terms of happy, happy clients, um, you know, success, doing the right things. But then from the business standpoint, being like, I am six years behind everything I need to do. And then you get back up and you're like, I'm still behind. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it, if you've never run a business, I don't, it'll be hard to relate. Right. I think, um, 
it, it's one of those things that it's so much more, for example, I'm off on Friday mornings, right? I, I'm yeah. off on Fridays. I don't see patients that will be changing soon because enough people are uh, requesting it. But <laughs> it's so funny how many people just assume that I'm out on the golf course every Friday <laughs> just enjoying life. It's like, I you wouldn't believe the documentation and the insurance paperwork and the the edits to the website and talking with uh, Melissa Weber for marketing and um, just the list kind of goes on and on, right? But you, I agree with you that you kind of always feel like you're in a, uh, a hamster wheel just going round and round and round. But I'm also a huge person who is all about reflection too, right? You have to look back and see how far you've come. Business, family, fitness, take the time, look back two years, see where you were at two years ago, then compare it to where you're at now. Because if all you're doing is looking at what is the future, you're never going to reach that because your future is going to constantly be changing, right? When I sat down, when I started my business, I wrote a five-year business plan. Five years in, you can go look at it. There were a lot of things I hit, but now where I'm at right now, I don't want to go continue to pursue that five-year business plan because I'm now on to X, Y, and Z, right? And so take, uh, take the time to remember where you've come from, what you've done to get to where you're at, celebrate the wins at least for a day. I'm a huge <laughs> supporter of that. And then wake up the next day and go hit another goal. Right. And so I, so my, and I think you can probably relate. We look at the future and it's crippling sometimes I bet, right. As a business owner, the stress, the anxiety of where I should be, where, uh, Dr. Jim is down the street. Why am I not there yet? Or why am I not like the running coach in, I'm not even going to throw out a name because I don't want to, you know, mix anybody up. <laughs> but I think you, I'd be curious what your thoughts there, if, if you can relate to that. Yeah, no, I appreciate the, I appreciate the question, you know, for it. Cause uh, there's a guy named Dan Walters, uh, he's called DWR coaching. Okay. Um, they're in Chicago. I encourage people to look them up. If you're, um, you know, outside of St. Louis and you're listening to this podcast, they do. Uh, I think he's predominantly just works with people in Chicago, but anyways, long story short, his business um, I want to say is like probably three or four years older than mine. And he is built like a powerhouse. Like oh. his business is the coolest freaking business I've ever seen uh, from personal coaching. You know, he is a just, uh, he's not even a marketing guru, he says, but he just has great marketing. You know, it's like he just shows off his team, even though that's not his intent. You know, he gets a video of every person at every practice, but he's built a squad of people. Um, and he has very, he has very set expectations. You're going to wear the uniform, all this different stuff, but then you see the camaraderie, the buy-in of it, and it's all tied. So the coaching is also tied to the team where with our group, there's coaching. And then we have a separate organization that's tied to just being a part of a team. And so he's been able to kind of build this out. And what I've admired so much about him is that, you know, he's always kept like customer first and done that extra work. And so I remember talking to him and he was like, he spends like, I guess like Monday, Tuesday on the phone the whole day. But like, have you ever, you ever talked to another like chiropractor uh, or somebody who's a mentor and they're using the same things that you tell uh, people every day and it's getting you and you know that like they're coaching you and you're like, I love it. I feel it. You know, like he was on the phone telling me like, dude, you'll be there in a couple of years. You'll be there in a couple of years. He's like, I love what you're doing. I love what you're building. He just met me. He just saw my social. And I'm thinking my myself, like, there's no way, there's no way I'll ever be like him. And now, like, one thing that stuck out so much to me was he said, like, when he first started his coaching business, um, you know, they, they just started bringing a couple people to races. 
And the goal was just like, let's just be present. Let's just show up. Kind of what I always say to you, like if you build it, they'll come. And that's a humbling approach to have because it's one thing to say, I'm going to do this. And then it's another thing like to actually have to do it. Like we early on with our racing team last summer, you know, one of the first runs that we hosted here uh, from, uh, from your office, which has been great. Brennan will sponsor one once a month. We'll come here. We'll run from the office. We had four people in that photo and people don't understand like, and we're a very new organization, but now we have like 20 to 30 on a Sunday, sometimes more, especially when we come here and you realize that you started with four people and you started with a very awkward photo and you're like, is anybody going to come? Like, am I making the biggest mistake of my life? But you see these other people who've done it and they've grinded it out. And that's why I think it's important. Like why I talk to people like yourself as I want you to share your story even more so that somebody five years behind you can realize that like, kind of like what you're saying is like, maybe they can sit and reflect a little bit more and realize, you know what? Like I can get there someday. Like I was talking to a really successful college runner yesterday on the phone and she's looking to kind of like get into business. And I just said to her, I was like, you know, when you were in high school, like you were phenomenal. Like she was a, you know, she's, she's a, runs at a major division one university. And I'm like, if somebody at a major division one university still talked to you on the phone or whatever the case was, would that inspire you? Even though you knew, you know, you were that good and you're going to get recruited. She's like, yeah, oh, absolutely. She's like, I wouldn't have thought I was going to be them. And if you're watching from our perspective, you'd be like, yep, you'll be, you know, better than 99% of people when you get to college. Um, but when you're in the other phase of it, you just don't know what you don't know. We all deal with the same things without knowing it, right? Yeah. Like if you don't take the time to read about this topic, you don't understand. The guy outside right now has the same stresses and anxieties I do. It just depends on who how you deal with it, one, but also how many notches on your belt? How many years have you been going through it? Because I'm going to handle a stress that comes up in the office a lot better now than I did when I was first, the first month of practice. Everything was a fire then, right? You know, and now it's like, okay, is this an A, B or C fire? Oh, it's a C fire. We'll handle it on Friday when we have our free time. Oh, it's an A fire. Let's handle it right now. You know, but I, we all go through those same things We just assume because somebody has a bigger platform or they have a better website or they have a bigger following that they don't deal with the same exact circumstance, not circumstances, everybody's circumstances are different, but the same level of fear, right? And that's a big word that I think a lot of people use, but I just want, and I share that because I think a lot of people need to remember that, right? As they're chasing down as a runner, you're chasing a PR and you see somebody who did the same training plan as you maybe hit a five minute PR, but you didn't, that person could potentially have been running for years and years prior to you. So their aerobic base was bigger. They just finally had that one breakthrough. And so if you keep putting in the work to build that aerobic base, you eventually should have that breakthrough. Um, And you can probably relate to that more on the running side, but. I think, yeah, and I think that applies to everything, you know, whether it's running, it's business or, you know, anything that you do in your life, you know, the, the reality of it is like you said, it's, it's cliche, but I mean, I think I'm inspired, constantly inspired by these podcasts. And even though like Ed Milet, I always use him because I listen a lot to him. I feel like I'm an Ed Milet junkie over here, <laughs> but he's always saying the same stuff. Yeah. Like it's not anything different and that's not disrespectful to him. It's more like, 
he has a different way of saying the same inspirational stuff over and over again. You hear the same inspirational story from the same person and I dig it up every time. I'm like, I want more, I want more, I want more. And you know what they always say? Well, I'm insecure and I like to work hard and it's just about being consistent. And it's like, we have this conversation here together and I'm like still fired up about it. Cause it's like, if you get it, you get it, you know? And if you don't get it, you don't get it. And I think it's just the reality is like, if you think this stuff is boring, then you gotta have to, if you wanna be successful, you have to find a way to love it. Because yep. if, if it's consistency is boring for you, you're gonna have a really, really hard time because you're gonna find a lot of uh, different things and you're never gonna stick to one thing and you're gonna watch the other person next to you have that success. And I think it applies so much professionally, I'm sure for like what you do, where you have to be incredibly consistent with your care across the board and do the fundamentals. If you skip the paperwork, you know, that's going to cut your bottom line. You know, if you skip the opportunity to, to greet every person or set your expectations of those different things, like then you can't go do what you do best. And I think that's something that's sometimes overshadowed for people and they don't necessarily understand that. I definitely think it is. And here we talk as a team a lot that each person who walks through the front door should be greeted the exact same whether they are the president of the United States or they are somebody that uh, is struggling in life and, and is having financial struggles and they admitted that out loud. You know, it's that person should still be greeted the same. They should still be talked to the same in the same type of tone. The same type of exam should be done. The same type of treatment should be uh, rendered as long as, you know, with some uh, variables in there, right? Yeah. But, it goes back to just treating everybody the exact same. And if you can find a way to do that and put everybody up on the highest standard possible, it's just going to all the, what is that? Raise the, raise all the boats. Yeah. The, yeah. The, what raise is it? The, uh, high tide. Yeah. I'm yeah. <laughs> struggling to, to yeah. hit that one. Um, but I think that kind of relates to what you're talking about a little bit. Yeah, that's so true. And the customer service component, but in a genuine way, you know, you see so many businesses who are, they pride themselves on customer service and you know, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Oh, you're you like, can see straight through it, right? It's if like, you're not genuine, you see yeah. straight through it. Right? We love our customers. And then you realize, well, have you, what do you really do for your customers? Because just because you have three lines that you tell me and you send me the same specific email, and I think that's so that's so important. Like you said, like you have to take that extra time regardless of what you think. And something I think about a lot is, and this is a, a philosophy that I've had since day one of starting my business. But, you know, when I first started my coaching business, you know, I, I think I wanted, I wanted to be successful, of course. I mean, you want, who, who doesn't want to be successful? Who doesn't want to load up their, their list of people and like be able to have notoriety? And I would be like month one, month two, just kind of thinking, and it was growing quick, but I was like, I need more, I need more, I need more. Like you're thinking that in your head. And I had to always stop myself and be like, you realize that like, if these 12 people didn't work with you, you wouldn't have money, you know, you wouldn't have money for food, you wouldn't have X, Y, Z. Like these people who are your customers are the ones that are keeping your business afloat. They are your, they are your business. Yep. And so I think a big mistake businesses make all the time is they focus way too much um, and, and not that I'm, you know, Melissa, if you're listening to this, uh, she's a marketing, you know, advertising guru. So uh, she will be listening. I, not that, uh, not that I don't think there's a value in going out and finding new uh, clients. I, I, I'm a huge proponent for that, obviously. And I know that's a very important thing in terms of scaling your business and bringing in, you know, people for you, but more of the mindset as a business person, I think you have to always remember the most in people, most important person 
is the person that is right now, you know, consuming you or has, you know, has been a part of your community. And if you are constantly focused on those people bringing them in the door, but you're not focused on the people when they get there, you hear this with college sports a lot. The coach does an amazing job recruiting. It's a bad experience running or competing for that app for that coach. Not the same experience, but they keep getting people every single year because they can get people through the door, but that's not their priority. Their priority is not the X's and O's. You know, they're they're not too worried about making it to the, you know, to the sweet 16 or whatever the case is. And I think that's something that as a business person, you have to constantly think about. Like you have to kind of have your standards that you set for yourself. Yeah. If you're not maintaining a good level of customer service, it's going to be a revolving door. And the more people you say you need to meet, there's two people going out the door as one's walking in and it just goes faster and faster and faster, right? And all of a sudden, all you're doing is chasing that next best person and you have lost touch of people that once highly respected you that might not feel that way anymore. That's so true. So, you know, I'm 29, you know, I don't have any kids. I have a dog, you know, stepdog dad of Luna, but you know, my world is really revolved around my business, um, you know, in, in my running, but mainly like that creativity of my business and, and wanting to be successful with it. But I also realize that like, you know, people are pursuing this with other responsibilities. And I think about you a lot. I always kind of see you as that, you know, kind of person that I would want to model myself off. We have a mutual connection of ours who always really talks super highly of you. And she says like when she was looking for people to date, she's like, I want to find that person who has that um, like Brennan, who has that ability to love family and love the importance of those things. And then also in the addition to that, you know, be highly motivated as a professional. And I think about you a lot because I'm like, you know, it's easy for me to be motivated about my business, but how would I be motivated if my priority was my kids, you know, and there's the different stuff. Can you share a little bit more about how you've kind of balanced the two? Yeah, I, a lot of coffee. Um, you know, <laughs> that, that, that is step one is a lot of coffee. Um, I, they do end up all running together a little bit, right? I think if you're in business and you're trying to put on a front or a show, it's going to derail one of either your business or your family, right? I think is where, and I think you have to find a way to just carry your passion and what you do and present yourself as who you are all the time. And that's with your family or that's in business, you know? Um, I, I'd be remiss to not say it's not easy at times, you know, there's the struggles of who's picking up the kids on this day. I have this event tonight. Can you get off any earlier? The kids are sick. Who's going to take off work, you know? Um, but I wait, he, it always ends up finding a way to work out one way or another. It might not be, uh, unicorns and rainbows on uh, all the time, but, um, it, it ends up working out, you know? And so I, but I also get motivated for my kids. I'm super passionate in today's world about putting things aside and getting outside and playing with your kids. It, and it, let me digress. I, I take a step back. It might not be playing, right? Your kids might like to do chess. You, they might like to play go fish. It depends on what age they're at. I will admit at times it is super hard to put down the phone, close the computer, remember to be present with my kids. I'm not going to act like it is easy, but I also keep it as a high priority that I have to make it a priority. I have to 
set things aside. And if it's time to go play basketball, I have to go play basketball, you know? And I, if it's time to go play wiffle ball on the side of the house, look, I'm going to go play wiffle ball. As a running coach, you probably aren't happy about this. When I went to go leave the house the other day, there were five kids on the side of the house that were getting ready to play baseball. Guess what I did? I did not run, and I sat there and pitched <laughs> to them for about two hours. My shoulder was killing me the next day. But those are the that's my balance in, in is my pri- I make it my priority to balance those things out. I used to feel extremely guilty if I didn't go do that run. Um, and then it hit me that I then felt guilty that I wasn't taking the time to be with my kids. Um, and so my balance, though, unfortunately, has been the 4 a.m. bike rides yeah. up and down Lindbergh Boulevard, yeah, yeah. right? You know, um, but on the back end, it also requires me going to bed right when the kids go to bed. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. it's it's a huge balancing act. I think it's easy for people to see happy all the time. And luckily we are. We, we are a pretty happy family. I'm not going to say that we're not. But there's those hard times, too. And I'm here to remind people that we, we again, we hit the same struggles. We just try and find a way to forge through them and come out the other end. I appreciate the transparency because I think that is something maybe it's it's kind of like, you know, our conversation from a few months ago where you're in business and you're like, oh, my gosh, that person five years ahead of me, I could never do the things that they're doing. And then to hear like what you're saying, where you're having that success from a family perspective, but also realizing that there's these challenges we're able to deal with those challenges and be successful. And something, I mean, if you've ever been to Brennan's office on a, like a non um, specific day that you're working where we're doing a, I guess you are working on these days, but when we do like a team event or something and you host from us, you're going to see the kids running around here. Yep. And that's really cool to me because it's like, I think back to my childhood running around my dad's office or, you know, my mom has a business and just being a part of that and never really thought like anything of it per se. Like you never, like I remember my mom started her interior design home staging business, I think when I was like nine and I spent like, I feel like I spent like almost a decade at home goods, you know, in these like different marshals and all these different stores, like, you know, going out on our nights or getting in, they would, they her started her business is like set. It was called set to sell at the point. And it was, uh, they would stage the house to be sold. And so we would spend, you know, nights as kids running around these houses of not ours, <laughs> yep. you know, and she's getting this house a stage and that just became the reality. And as I've gotten older, my work ethic has become, you know, so much like my parents. And I've thought a lot about like, you know, how normal it is where I think a lot of people, they didn't necessarily have those parents that set that example. It's harder for them to understand, like, you know what, this can be a really good thing for my kids. Like you said, you have to have the balance but there's nothing wrong with exposing your kids to your work. You know, the twofold of like, hey, dad has the flexibility because he owns a business to be at all your sporting events. And on the side of it, there are going to be times that you come and you're with us here, but I want you to see both sides of that. Do you think about that? I think about that all the time. And I think uh, here in the office, I use office culture, you know, as a term when we're kind of doing our, our team meetings of how we should carry ourselves. I think you have a team culture that you like to carry. I think we have to uh, acknowledge that because somehow a bit of those two cultures have aligned and we have to sing praises to some of your athletes who sit there in the back of my office and do stretches and, and exercises with my eight-year-old daughter, because that means <laughs> the world to them. Like, and it's again, just taking that time, they acknowledge her, they go play with her, they say hello. And, um, I think it's all those interactions that, uh, can teach us how to, uh, accept others, right? But it also teaches our kids on how to relate to other um, parents or um, people of their 
elders, right? Yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah. Elders, we all think old yeah. people, right? I don't want to use that word, but but you know what I mean is that interaction is good for both human beings. Yes, and yes. I think uh, it, it's just, that's why we allow the kids to kind of come run around and be here. You know? Coaching kids was something that really helped me, I would say, develop in terms of like, you know, my own coaching and other coaching adults. I mean, you probably heard me on Sunday, but I was like a broken record basically and, you know, telling the crowd that you should stick around to cheer other people on. And that's like a thing that you have to say to kids. And I've realized that like adults need the coaching just as much as the kids do. And we miss it at such a fundamental point. We miss a lot of opportunities to help kids just become, this is just the norm. Yep. You know, we had an athlete, um, you know, who, who was on our uh, runner, it's called runner to runner. We coached Ledoux and Clayton for several years, me and Sonny. Um, and there was a kid on the team with down syndrome. And when he first joined the team, like his parents were like, I don't really know if this is going to be a fit. Like, how can you incorporate him? And I was like, Oh, we will, we'll make a way, you know, like we'll figure out what that works. You know, you might not be able to run, uh, you know, the full distance of the practice or whatever the case is, but we will find a way. And it was really cool because he was with us for five years and to see the progression of this kid, like day one, everybody was scared to even go over the kid. And these are like, yeah. these are kids that are six all the way up to 14. You know, nobody's really interacting with him. You know, they don't really know what to do. And we just had to, Sonny and I had to basically be like, okay, so we're going to specifically, um, you know, or organize somebody to run with him every single practice or do the warmups with him. And, you know, really ingrained that this is a, this is a part of our team. We're not going to, you know, we're going to be as inclusive as possible. And maybe these kids are being experienced to something different for the first time, but because it became this part of our lives, they're experiencing something totally new for themselves. Uh, by the end of him running with us, it was like a constant like fight to try to get people to actually come run at the practice because everybody just wanted to run with him, you know, and do drills. And that was amazing. And his parents were just like, you know, blown away by it because they were like, what an experience for this kid. Like he, you know, he, he started off, you know, not really knowing anybody and, you know, kind of uh, not sure if this would even work out. And now it's like, man, how many people are you going to have at your, your high school homecoming party or whatever the case is? It's, it's exciting to see that. But I think about that a lot when I try to coach um, or even just like thinking about your kids, an example, I know I've worked with Morgan, you know, on stuff, but also just like in general, I feel like when I was a kid and this, I've said this to you a lot about, about Morgan, but like Brennan's, Brennan's daughter, Morgan, like if you ever meet her, she's like, it's like a 40 year old trapped in a, what is she now? Like seven or eight, eight, eight yeah, years old, yeah. eight year old body yeah. because like she is so passionate about working hard and so passionate about being successful and she cares about it. Like she's, you know, here she's running these drills in the back of our, uh, you know, runs and yeah. things like that. And it might look like it's a joking thing or goofy, but to her, that's a big, serious moment. And I remember as a kid, like I used to play basketball, every sport in the backyard from like, you know, my early, early days. Um, you know, talking to myself in the yard and thinking about these things and it developed me in so many different ways. But when I remember when I was in eighth grade, I had a goal for myself playing basketball. And I was like, one of the goals was I wanted to be six, five. That was a goal, by the way, which is not a, not an attainable goal. Uh, when you talk about, you know, building smart goals, but I had all these goals on my wall. Like, you know, there's not a lot of eighth graders, seventh graders that are thinking about goals and all this different stuff. I was taking myself so serious. And so I think back as it, whenever I feel like a lot of times you talk to parents and all they talk about is and I'm not, I'm not a parent, so I can't even judge this, but it's just, you hear a lot of things that are overwhelming. You hear how horrible it is and all the mayhem. Yeah. And you don't hear about like the stories that I can remember of having a great childhood of like how fun it was 
Like it wasn't 90, you know, especially as like, you know, these early developing ages, obviously there's a lot of things that, you know, were, were tough. And I'm sure my parents took a lot of sacrifice, but there were a lot of great moments. And I feel like we don't often highlight those things. And then as the result of it, if you don't have kids, you don't even communicate with kids because you're like, don't know what to do, don't know how to talk to you. And so that's been something I feel like is really important for me, especially when we're ever here is like, let's make sure that Morgan feels like she's a part of the team on this day, because there's an experience that she's going to have. And it's not even necessarily about like, oh, trying to do the right thing. It's more like she's a human being that's in this room. Why would you not talk to her? Right. Just because she's right. eight. And I, I personally, I think it goes back to those different buckets that we talked about. And on the family side, we hold talks about, okay, even if we're struggling, we got to show that we can work hard, right? You know, if we're feeling sick, as long as we're not going to make other people sick, we got to show that we have to get up out of bed. We have to do the dishes. We have to do the laundry. Like, and those are part of our family values that like, we don't want it to be militant by any means. If you if anybody knows me, you know, I like to have a little fun and, and kind of play around. And we show that side too of, okay, chores are done. Let's go play. But that it, it just, and it goes back so much to my upbringing on how I was brought up. And it's when it's time to do the work, we have to do the work. Um, if you commit to a sport, you're committing to that sport. That's all there is to it. You don't get out. There's no walking away. There's none of this quitting or sitting down crying in the outfield. Doesn't, not going to happen in my household, right? <laughs> Until the end of that season. Season comes to an end. You still don't want to play. Okay, we'll move on. We don't have to go back, you know? And that's, but I think because of so, we're so many multi, uh, both parents are working in today's world. By the time we get home, we either one, want to be our kid's friend or two, you know, we're so darn tired that we just don't want to take the time to do it. But that's, that's part of when you asked me earlier, that's, I, I have a, a kind of a fitness, a business, a family, and those are my buckets. And those are, those are kind of the topics that we dive deep into. And that goes back to my reflecting, right? That's amazing. That's amazing. It's cool that you've been able to kind of identify those things. And it's not a surprise because you're successful in what you're doing on both sides of things. Um, but I think probably sometimes it's probably hard, you know, just trying to see how everything fits, right? Yep. You know, the organization behind it. And then, like you said, like having those goals specifically business-wise that you want to feel, you know, grateful for and excited about that aren't going to take away from your marriage or not going to take away from your kids' time. And I've always kind of, you know, hoped if I have kids down the road, it's like, I've always thought about this as like, I just want to make sure that my business was never so important that I missed a basketball game or something. Because that to me is, in, and to my fault, like, up to this point, I've missed big moments in a lot of people's lives because of my business. But I almost justify it as like, you're not my dependent. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, not that that's selfish. It's like, you know, my legacy will get my support, but not anybody else. No peers, you know. So well, I appreciate the honesty there. Well, I have a couple just like, you know, kind of hot, hot hitting questions for you just for our people to listen to that aren't very hot hitting or you know, or uh, controversial, but more of just some insight, I think, from your professional standpoint that maybe, um, you know, will help share a little bit more and tell them what you do in your, you know, in your walls here, but also inspire them maybe to come in and, and see you. Uh, but one thing I, I think, you know, a lot about is like, we've talked about this is like, you know, and coming from a family where we have a lot of doctors in my family, and the modern day medicine is so different. I mean, look at Tom Brady. Look at like what he's doing in terms of all the doctors he has around him. He, a lot of people thought that was very unconventional. And I know it caused a riff. I'm sure you saw that with the Patriots. Like they were like, can't believe you're doing this. And we're realizing that like, that's the way that you play when you're 45 years old and coming back, which is crazy. Um, 
But, you know, like, you know, I always kind of felt like, you know, like hearing like, you know, the word chiropractor as a kid was always like, you know, this is the person that's going to try to steal, you know, dad's job, you know, or whatever the case is. There's always kind of a misconception of what people were doing, you know, and in terms of what that field really is. And then to your credit, like you find people who have a traumatic experience, have the experience of a good, you know, physician that you get to see. And then you realize like, oh my gosh, like, why don't we have more of these people? Why don't we have more of these resources? And I think about it a lot. Like I've said this and I've said it over and over again, my dad, you know, over the last couple of years too, it's like, what am I going to do when I have an athlete that gets injured? Am I going to, am I going to, um, you know, leave them for the doctor to look at them and wait and wait and wait on this slow process that doesn't necessarily get them help or actually get them to the door where you see lots of success and why are professional athletes, you know, able to do this? And I feel like we're having an evolution. Is that fair to say in terms of how our society is now seeing this and how much more receptive you're starting to see it? I do think so. And I think part of it is uh, our ability to elevate ourselves as um, the ability to diagnose and then put together a treatment plan, mm. right? Um, I think for the longest time it was missed because it was uh, it was a quick rush visit, right? Yeah. It was kind of let me pop your neck and back and that can fix all. And we know that that just isn't isn't the case. And so I think we're seeing that now chiropractors are being included in the mix for a multitude of reasons. But I think the starting point is our strong ability to properly diagnose what is going on. We then can field the conversations of, is this treatment? Is this imaging? Is this an orthopedist? Is this a functional medicine doctor for, for gut issues? You know, and so I think we, the, the longer our profession goes, we keep getting better at our ability to diagnose specific issues, which builds that respect because we are able to lay down a, a platform, a, a game plan in front of that patient on what we should be doing. Yeah. You almost answer that question. No, I, you almost wonder in some ways, like did, did there, was there a misconception or a negative connotation behind the industry because they weren't taking the time to actually share their expertise? It's almost like we spent so much more time trying to get you in the door and not actually sharing like what you could be providing that, you know, client. And now that you have the more opportunity to be face to face and say, oh, you know, I actually do know what I'm talking about. You have that, you know, that, that standpoint as well. Right. I think it's, uh, it's, it's a hard topic to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's an important topic though. And I, I make it a point to talk about it all the time because I, I refer you doctors all the time. Yep. You know, and, um, you know, 50% of the time there's hesitation, hundred percent of the time they come back and they screen your phrases, literally. Like I've never had a negative comment ever come back, especially on the physician side, yeah. like and ever. I, I think some of it stems to the way marketing is right now, right? You, you yeah. go to YouTube, you go to Instagram and you see things that scare the hell out of me. And yeah. I am a chiropractor and it's like, one, why is that being done for that person Two. Why are we videotaping that? Yeah. And three, why are we marketing that that <laughs> is the type of people we want to work with, you know? And so I, und- I, I have people that call me and they want these techniques done on these YouTube videos and half time, I don't even know what they are. <laughs> Second, I'm like, there's, there's just, that's not what we do here. Right. And so that's part of aligning your demographic of who, who do you want to work with and what do we do here? And then we try and align that way. And I think that, 
we've been able to hold enough conversations that we've gotten pretty specific on, you know, who's a good candidate and who isn't a good candidate, you know? Well, I think that's a great segue to just the fact that you've transitioned now your brand. Um, so obviously you started off, like we talked about earlier with the, um, you know, you know, getting started in somebody else's gym, you know, getting to a point where you were, you know, trying to build things up, work with the common public. And now that you obviously still work with everybody, very inclusive, but now you have more of a sports focus. And so what was this inspiration behind, you know, creating the, you know, or at least just transitioning to the new name of active SEL? I think putting my stake on where I stand in my profession. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if we just use last name chiropractic, that opens the door for a lot of that. The profession is huge, which is at some of our, at times are at our demise, right? It's not yeah. a good thing because it's such a broad spectrum. But now we've kind of honed in that we want to work with people that, and I'm very specific with this, want to be active to some degree. Um, that is helping watch their grandkids. It's walking the dog down the block. Um, it is the runner, right? It's the endurance junkie. I got a text from a guy who ran 35 miles on Saturday and 25 miles on Sunday and said, doc, I need to get in. It's like, I bet you do, but I'm not seeing you for 48 hours because you are wrecked right now. Like, you know, like, um, so it, it, it is the active population, but it's, it's still, I think it still encompasses, encompasses the general public, but it also removes the, um, let's throw it out there, the voodoo side of the profession, right? The, the wand waving and the, the, the magic voodoo that a lot of people, and even some of my, my best patients that, you know, some of them, and they're like, I still don't get it, even though you've explained it to me, but it works. So I now will, I, I just get it. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, I'm going um, with this. But yeah, I think it, that is what we've aligned ourselves with. And that is why we want to change the name to let people know that we we do our continuing ed. We work with um, some of the top PTs, chiropractors, and medical doctors, orthos in the world um, at seminars. And we luckily have some of the best ones here in St. Louis that are world renowned. Here's what I tell people. If you can go to two to three different physicians or practitioners that are going to come up with similar exercises or get to the same diagnosis, you're hanging out in the right club. You're with the right people. All right. It might not be what you want to hear, but it's also, if you're then going to a different person and it's like an off the rails type suggestion, might be practical, might not. Let's get a second opinion. If the second opinion is that way, then again, it goes back to across different professions, people are aligning to specific techniques and abilities to treat and diagnose that are respected across multiple platforms. If you can fall in line with one of those platforms, you're going to be in the right office. And that's why you're not, you know, that's why you're seeing this collaboration in professional sports. I know I kind of picked on them a little bit, but you know, there is, like you said, there is that, you know, importance behind, like you said, aligning yourself with the right people with anything that you do, whether it's what you do specifically or just in general, it's the the mindset of like, we can all get better together, you know, the collaborative, you know, partnerships. And I think often like, especially in the run coaching side of things, it's like, you know, what I am giving you isn't anything that like, isn't seen out there from successful coaches. You know, I have my own flavor. I have some different things that I do that I think are important, but ultimately I'm following the line of what I believe is to be the right line that thousands and thousands of coaches agree with. And then you hear the story of the person that's on the outlier and sometimes it works, but a lot of times it doesn't. And there's a reason why those people aren't in the same circle. You know, and it's not like they're just being pushed out. It's a, like you said, it's just a belief of like, you know what, I'm going to be doing the right thing by the right people. So I, I appreciate that perspective. I think it's a great conversation to have. And I, 
appreciate you being open to sharing more because I think when I talk about you, I talk about other chiropractors, you know, that we've worked with to clients who are hesitant. These are the things they want to hear. And this is what gets people in the door because they realize, okay, it's not what I thought to be the 1950s, 60s pop-up shop there, you know, that, you know, this is a place that I can actually go and really feel like I'm in my sport, you know, and something you said, I think was really important that I want to finish up on is that you said to me that uh, active is about everybody, you know, whether that's, you know, you think about your, your mom, who's, you know, just trying to keep up with all her grandchildren. Right. And then you think of somebody who's, you know, running these ultra marathons. But I've, I think about that a lot with running too. It's like, just because somebody's goal in running isn't to be a sub four miler doesn't mean that that's not really important. And for people like me and you, we're health ambassadors. We're supposed to be promoting health and wellness to every single person on the planet. So we need to have a, and we'll just put it for what it is. We have to be salesy about health to, to our society because if we do not exercise, you will not live as long. It's scientifically proven that way. And I think that's something that I think about like for people like you and me is that a lot of times we, our industries get too exclusive. We get too focused, narrow-minded on, you know, this is the specific market that we're working with and not really realizing that we kind of hold an obligation from a societal standpoint to be, you know, leaders and be mentors and all these different things. And I'm sure you have lots of friends who maybe don't even come to you for care, but ask you a health question right away because they respect that and they know that you're, you know, even from the outside of the professional standpoint, you're ingrained with it, with your own exercise, you know, and all that different stuff. So I think that's important too, just to get out there to people that, you know, you want to find the people out there that are generally invested in your health and wellness and and care about that. I think so too. And I just, uh, to wrap it up, I'm going to toot your horn a little bit here. I talked to one of those people that was one of the last people across your finish line at your 6k. And for those of you that weren't there, Mark was handing out awards for the people that had finished. And he took the time to stop and cheer anybody that was coming down the bridge across the finish line in, no matter what time or place or anything like that. I got to talk to one of those ladies and she said she thought that was the coolest thing she's ever experienced because usually by the time she crosses the finish line, there is nobody there. They're ripping down the start or the finish line. There's no water to be handed out. And so you literally preach what you are. You, you accomplished what you just talked about. And by being that ambassador, you changed the outcome of somebody's entire race on one given day. Well, I appreciate that. And the, the quick backstory behind that was Runner's World came out with an article uh, just about a, like a week, a couple weeks ago. And this is funny because I, I wrote a blog about a, a post that I didn't even get to read because it was paywall. <laughs> so I didn't even read the post, but I still wrote an analysis on it. And the post was runners. You're not as, it was something along the lines of like the title was like, you know, it was clickbait, but it was like, you're not as supportive as you think you are. And it was on runner's world. And when you first read that, you're like, screw you. Like, do you realize what I do professionally? I'm not supportive. And then you really think about that. And I didn't get to see what the article wrote about what, what I could imagine is that they weren't really saying that you're not a supportive person is that what's the experience of the person that's in the back of the pack and what is that? How is that different than what your experience is up front? And you know that these courses have time limits. I've put events on for the last decade. I know these kind of things and I've always tried to be as inclusive as possible. But this article woke me the hell up. I was even more like I'm even more focused now. And there that was intentional because the hard part about the award ceremony putting an event on is that you're actually not trying to disrespect the people that are still on the course. 
you're trying to respect the time of the people that are there that are getting the award. So you have this like kind of fight fighting battle. You're trying to keep your event running smooth. You're trying to get the people that are in front of you happy. And then you also want to make sure these people aren't being ripped off of an experience. And so I really, I said to the crowd, I said, I'm going to respect your time, but I'm also going to be honest with you. I'm going to stop every time. And it felt uncomfortable to have to do that each time, not uncomfortable to cheer those people on. It was, that was the right thing. And I was excited about doing that, but it felt uncomfortable in the sense like, what if people just get fed up and then they go home and then there's nobody cheering for these people, you know, the goal is. And, and so it's that, that concept that I've been trying to think a lot about. And so I, I appreciate the, 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 you know, the, the compliment, but it's also something that I've had to like deliberately work a lot about. And it also wasn't something that just came easy to me because my experience with racing is I usually am in the front and I don't have any idea what, what it looks like, you know, after it's done. But then I think about like, if I did a race and I didn't get any of the perks just because I was slower, does that make any sense? Is that any fair? And so I know it's a, it's a hot topic in the community because, you know, there's a lot of people that feel kind of misrepresented. We actually had the chance real fast to, to talk to a participant afterwards. And he said, he said, do you want constructive criticism? Because we had lots of positivity but I'm like looking at it this, I want constructive criticism. I don't want to walk away with just us being so great. And he said to me, he's, he had a great experience, but he's like, do you want constructive criticism on how you score the teams? And I said, absolutely. Can we get on a phone call? And he said on the phone call that he felt like he meant nothing to his team because he wasn't the first type five runners. And I was thinking, well, we weren't trying to do that to be, to be exclusive, but you know what? It was exclusive for that reason. Like we're not deliberately trying to do things because we don't want you to be included. It's just the way that we think. And so if we don't have these conversations with people who are actually experiencing it, we can't make that progress. And so that's something I think a lot about, whether that's with myself and what I do or for what you do in your practice. You know, I know that there was a woman who came to see you who's a mom of one of the people that was a mutual friend of ours. And she had such an amazing experience with you. And I think you just literally just got her back to life, you know, had nothing to do with her um, trying to go run a marathon. And so- That to me is super cool. So I know that you do the same in your business and I appreciate you just sharing so much about yourself and, and about what you're doing. And hopefully uh, people can listen to this podcast and really resonate with a lot of things that you said. I, I would highlight a lot of the, the positivity behind you being such a successful family person as well. I don't want that to be lost in the message as well. It's like, it, that's something I think is if, when I think of you, and I, if I was, I, I honestly will do this in terms of if you're cool with it, your artwork for this podcast is going to be you and the family I have a good photo of you guys, because that's what I think about. I don't, I've never seen you go into something without you, including them. You know, it's just like, they, they're tied to you. That's a part of your identity, which is really cool. Um, it's very humbling. So thanks for, yeah, thanks for taking the time. And if we want to find you on social media, um, can you find, uh, can you find active STL out there? You can active STL.com and then active STL on, on Facebook and Instagram and send us a message. If you have any questions, um, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's been so fun to dive deep into the community, be a resource, whether I can help or not. It's just fun to have, be able to answer those questions for people that don't know where to ask the question to. Um, so I just appreciate your support along the way. And it's been a, a fun conversation. So. It's, it's exciting. And I'm looking forward to uh, the follow-up, uh, you know, interview in a couple of years or so where we can even be even happier. And hopefully we'll have more problems that we have to solve. <laughs> That's right. They're <laughs> so, going to keep coming, aren't they? Absolutely. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark.